Are you aware that in 1870, the average lifespan for a man was 43 years old, and now it's 80 years old? Every chronic illness that befalls humankind is exacerbated by extending our life this way. And every one of those chronic illnesses has one thing in common, inflammation. So to understand inflammation is to understand chronic disease. And to understand chronic disease is to understand what preventative health care is. So there's a way to manage this to minimize your risk of having problems later in life so you can live better and you don't die. Welcome to Live Better, Don't Die with Dr. Randy Baggison from Executive Health Group. Preventative care is largely ignored by the American healthcare system, but well visits to your doctor rather than waiting for sickness or disease to occur can keep you healthier longer. Live better every day, don't die. Live Better, Don't Die is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. In no way should Live Better, Don't Die be considered as offering medical advice. So I mentioned inflammation. And I mentioned preventative health care. In today's delivery of medical services, especially in our COVID environment, what we're doing is putting Band-Aids on problems. It is very difficult to do preventative health care in the model of insurance reimbursement. Preventative health care demands laboratories, preventative imaging studies, and understanding of the pathophysiology of disease over time, and trying to set up strategies to minimize the effects of overeating, lack of exercise, early impaired glucose tolerance, which leads to type 2 diabetes, the inflammatory cascade in our bodies where our own immune system, because we're eating things that we're not supposed to, and we're producing antibodies to those foods, and those antibodies attack our own tissues, leading to heart disease, stroke, cognitive impairment, and dementia. All of these things are very difficult to diagnose in a five to eight minute preventative healthcare visit. It takes much deeper laboratory diagnostics, a much longer conversation with a patient than the five to 10 minute preventative healthcare examination that is promoted as the be all end all of primary care in the United States of America. And in the United States of America, most people are surprised to hear that we rank 37th in the industrialized world for the ability to deliver preventative healthcare services. The American medical system is an expensive sick care system where people think I'm sick, I'll go to the doctor and I'll get fixed. And what happens is when you get sick or you have a chronic medical problem, you go to the doctor and we stabilize it. And we stabilize it at a lower level of 
vitality versus seeking out a healthcare specialist who is skilled at defining your level of vitality, expressing to you and showing you the underlying causes of future problems and helping you minimize the negative genetic influences on your life and optimizing the positive genetic influences on your life. Medical science has come a long way in the last 15 or 20 years to understand these things. The delivery of that medical science in the traditional delivery of medical care has completely fallen apart, especially in the environment that we find ourselves in now, where everyone's afraid to even go to the doctor because of COVID. So I think a case needs to be made to people um, when and a simple allegory that I would put together or, or a comparison is if you own a luxury car, you bring your car in, the diagnostics on automobile maintenance has also completely been enhanced through computer-driven analysis of your car. Heck, I have business owners who take oil samples from their motorized equipment and send it to a lab to look at the amount of particulate and metal matter in their motor oil. They pay for that because they want that mechanical equipment to operate and function at the highest level for the longest period of time to operate its useful life. We need to be doing that with our own bodies. Medical science has increased and enhanced our understanding of how to do that. But bringing those discoveries to the bedside in the insurance model of reimbursement where doctors are kind of told what to do and we're trying to clamp down every cost, sometimes we are very penny wise and dollar foolish about the way that we allocate money in our healthcare system. We'll spend millions and millions of dollars on a heart transplant, but as far as identifying ways to keep that person from ever having the vascular disease that led to that cardiac muscle damage in the first place, we don't want to spend $50 on a blood test that might have saved that person from all of those dire consequences of vascular disease, which in 2020 is something that we should be able to identify, intervene, and prevent. Um, that is what I've built my career on. It's what I believe in. It's what I want for myself, my family, and my patients. And unless you step out of the traditional delivery path of medical care, it's very difficult to deliver in an insurance-based model. So I mentioned genetics. I mentioned inflammation. So to understand what preventative health care means, um, it's important to understand some of the pathophysiology. And I want to try to articulate this in an understandable way. I think to do so demands a little bit of a story on how 
chronic medical conditions turn into a heart attack, for instance, or how certain genetics can turn into a heart attack or stroke, or how the inflammatory cascade ends up causing dementia in our loved ones. So the first thing I will do is discuss cholesterol. And people think about good and bad cholesterol. Well, I'm here to say there's no such thing. Every cell in our bodies has cholesterol in it. There's no such thing as good or bad cholesterol. Cholesterol is a fat. That fat is important to promote the building of cellular walls, cellular membranes, etc. It's why when we walk outside in the rain, we don't dissolve. Our bloodstream is the superhighway that our body uses to transport cholesterol from the liver, where it is made and metabolized, out to peripheral tissues and cells. Our bloodstream and our blood is a water-based solution. Cholesterol is a fat. And just like when you cook bacon, you can't take bacon grease and pour it down the drain or it's going to clog up your drain. Therefore, our liver takes fat, this fat cholesterol, and it covers it in a little protein coat. And that's called a lipoprotein. And people think of good cholesterol, HDL, high density lipoproteins, and they think of bad cholesterol, low density lipoproteins. These are just protein molecules and protein is polar and therefore soluble in water, your blood. Just like Dawn dishwashing detergent breaks up fat in your sink and makes fat soluble in the water that you're washing your dishes in. What's important is to understand not how much cholesterol is in each one of these particles, but actually how many particles there are. Because over time, remember, I just mentioned earlier in this podcast that in 1870, the average man used to live till about 43. And I would argue that genetically, we are engineered to live till 20, 30, 40 years old, not 80. If we're living this long over time, these lipoprotein particles circulating through our pipes can diffuse through the wall of the pipe and get stuck in the wall of the artery. They're really not supposed to be there. If they are lodged in the wall of the artery, your body can produce an inflammatory reaction against these particles, which are actually part of you, but they're not supposed to be in the wall of the artery. So much like when you get a pimple on your face and it gets swollen and red and your immune system starts attacking the bacteria, your immune system can do the same thing in the wall of the artery. This leads to an inflammatory cascade, something that we can now measure. And if unchecked, that inflammatory cascade can lead to damage to the arterial wall. And the innermost cell layer on that arterial wall is the biggest organ system in your body. It's called the intima. 
And unlike what you learned in high school biology, when you were taught that your skin was the biggest organ in your body, well, this intimal layer is about a tennis court's worth of surface area. It's extremely active with regard to your immune system. And it's important to keep the blood in your vessels and your vascular system flowing freely. If it becomes damaged, your immune system can hurt it, resulting in platelet and fibrin accumulation and an accumulation of inflammatory products that could actually lead to a blood clot. And that blood clot can happen in a big artery in your heart, causing a heart attack, but it can also occur in a capillary, the smallest vessels in our brain, causing localized cellular damage that over time, cumulatively, can cause loss of neurons and therefore loss of cognitive function. The biggest and the best centers for research on Alzheimer's disease are following this inflammatory pathway and trying to come up with reasons why our body produces this amyloid substance called tau beta amyloid, which can actually get in the way of the normal neurotransmitters in the synapses of our brain leading to neural loss, neural damage, and unfortunately, cognitive decline. This is a very complicated cascade of inflammation frequently caused by genetic abnormalities that without high-end laboratory genetic and imaging diagnostics, the typical delivery of preventative healthcare will never be able to really influence these health outcomes in our society. There is a whole pathway to trying to do this. Um, that pathway has been enhanced by consumer-driven healthcare and people seeking out new ideas of what preventative healthcare is and how to access it. And that's what I would call a retainer practice or concierge medical care, not all of which is alike. And just like everything about our consumer-driven economy, it behooves people to educate themselves as to what they're getting when they sign up for differentiated health care. So I mentioned the inflammatory cascade of disease. It is important to understand that that inflammatory cascade, we now have the ability with certain laboratories to measure whether there is any sign of vascular wall inflammation. There are a whole set of laboratories that many high-end cardiovascular labs have been doing for years. These are traditionally documented as experimental things by most of the major insurance category uh, carriers who don't really want to pay for these testing modalities. However, laboratories such as your HSC reactive protein, 
um, lipoprotein phospholipase, myeloperoxidase, symmetric and asymmetric dimethyl arginine, F2 isoprostane levels, ferritin levels, sedimentation levels. There are a whole set of inflammatory indicators that can guide our medical therapy and highlight whether the vascular wall is under attack by our own immune system. If it is, it's a very worrisome indicator. Making patients aware of what these laboratories show and how their own health habits, such as smoking, alcohol consumption, dietary influences that affect impaired glucose tolerance, exercise levels, etc. Sometimes patients hear from their doctor, oh, I want you to eat better and exercise, but they don't understand why. When individuals are shown their inflammatory statistics and they are correlated against their lifestyle habits, it frequently will result in a vastly improved compliance to changing their behavior. When it comes to how your body moves cholesterol through your vascular system, when we do a cholesterol test measuring total cholesterol, LDLC, HDLC, and triglycerides, none of those numbers correlate with how many particles are circulating through your bloodstream. The size of the particles, the various types of lipoproteins. To do so, you need to do a more diagnostic deep dive into something called an LDLP particle number, an HDLP particle number. We can now measure a receptor that each of the particles that leaves the liver to recycle and scavenge cholesterol, those particles get something called an apolipoprotein alpha-1. Conversely, the particles that leave the liver to deliver cholesterol to peripheral tissues receive something called a apolipoprotein B. By measuring those particles, we clearly define how many of them are circulating through your bloodstream. When we do so, that results and a far greater understanding of the likelihood that they will penetrate the intimal lining, get into the wall of the artery, and initiate this inflammatory cascade. Another vastly important issue is how you clot your blood. I mentioned earlier in this discussion that heart attacks and strokes are caused by blood clots, not by cholesterol accumulation inside a vessel lumen. Knowing this, some people in the audience may recall the TV show, The Biggest Loser. 
One of the trainers, Bob Harper, who now does advertising for a major drug company, he had a genetic abnormality called LP little a, lipoprotein little a. This is a lipoprotein particle like LDL or HDL, and it has a high affinity for a certain receptor for a substance called plasmin in our bloodstream. If our body begins to accumulate platelets and fibrin, the earliest beginnings of a blood clot inside our blood vessel, that little blood clot expresses a receptor for a clot-busting protein called plasmin in circulating in our bloodstream. Unfortunately, for the people with elevations of this lipoprotein, lipoprotein little a, that little bugger, which we refer to as the mass murderer in cardiovascular preventative circles, lipoprotein little a loves to park on plasmin binding sites. Therefore, in an early blood clot, if plasmin is circulating by it, yet all of the parking places for its receptor are already taken up because you have too much lipoprotein little a in your bloodstream, you could be at risk for propagating or building a blood clot that normally plasmin would bind to and plasmin would therefore break up and you would just heal the inflammatory injury to the vessel wall. Unfortunately, with this lipoprotein elevation, you could clot off the vessel. That's what happened to Bob Harper. There was a New York Times article written about it in 2018, and it was titled, A Cardiovascular Risk That Most Doctors Don't Know About. Well, in high-end cardiovascular preventative care clinics, this has been something that has been studied and chronicled for over 20 years. Again, it's one of those things that insurance companies doesn't want to pay for because they call it experimental. It's not. It's different than what insurance companies want doctors to do in the traditional delivery of healthcare. And people should know about this because they can access this type of care. So understanding your genetics, understanding your clotting parameters, understanding your inflammatory connect, uh, parameters, understanding your lipoprotein parameters are enormously important to categorize your real risk of vascular disease, the thing that's gonna kill 50% of women and 75% of men. You know, frequently at a cocktail party, someone will ask me what I do. We've chatted today about a myriad of factors, none of which conform to a two-minute elevator speech. And I think people, when they ask about what I do, I will look at them and say, do you have 15 or 20 minutes to listen to what we do, why we do it, and how we do it? The next time we gather, I'd like to describe that process within our practice. That process takes time to understand. And when people listen and they get it, 
they're kind of blown away as to why they've never been doing this to take care of themselves in the past of their lives. And I look forward to describing that when next we get together and I have the opportunity to share some ideas about why preventative health care is the most important thing that you can do in your life. I'm Dr. Randy Baggison, and you've been listening to Live Better, Don't Die. For more information, please visit executive.md. And don't forget to subscribe to Live Better, Don't Die on your favorite podcast distribution service. Live Better, Don't Die with Dr. Randy Baggison is a production of Summit Media Podcasting. Live Better, Don't Die is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. In no way should Live Better, Don't Die be considered as offering medical advice.